my spidey senses tingling. Yellow. The man with the worst bedside manner in podcasting is also the host of the Paper Cake Podcast, episode 131. Welcome to the show, papercake.com. This is a podcast where we talk about the books that we've read this week, and we'll also do a book club, a book that we all read. Get that camera off, Jonesy, before I forget. Dollies, leave it. Um, and, you know, we just talk to each other about comics as one. The book club this week, Old Man Logan. Um, thanks for joining us. I'll introduce our hosts of this podcast, probably without a doubt, the best podcast from either Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Name five better. You can't do it. Uh, first host, just got a haircut. Really happy about it myself. He um, He's a little ornery tonight. Um, his his kids and family are just, you know, they're sick. He's a father. He's a husband. And he's a borderline alky. Dale underscore A, welcome back to the show. You look great. Yeah, thanks. It's good to be back. It feels good. I feel, uh, I'm going to tell you, when I got my hair cut last, a lot of gray hair falling down on the uh, cape on the robe in front of me. So it felt pretty great. I'm just like the transformation is almost complete. And I come home today and my family's annoying and I think I'm getting the sickness that they've plagued our household with. It's going to be coming out of both ends by the time this podcast is over, folks. Stay tuned. Metaphorically, figuratively, both ends of Dalen Gray. It's a palindrome. Sickness palindrome. (laughs) Uh, Final host, final living host of this show. Barely. He has put aside his love of handkerchiefs for fear of ridicule. Thank heavens. Possibly the last human to ever use a handkerchief under the age of 90. He's a writer, unpublished. He, um, what else has he got going for me? He's not using a handkerchief. I don't know what else. Jonesy loves beer. Welcome. Uh, thank you. I just want to pose this question to the world at large. Uh, if you have a collection of monogrammed kerchiefs, are you not under obligation to use them? That's all I'm saying. I bet, I will almost bet that the old reliable thing that that your people in your life can reliably get you for Christmas every year are handkerchiefs. And now, what are you going to do? You're now, just going to hide now, them in the sock drawer? My family hates me right now yeah, I, because I, I, I have taken kerchiefs off of my yearly Christmas list that goes out. Now, everybody knows they can get me whiskey or... You know, uh, some kind of cordials and kerchiefs. Now, only whiskey. Cordials. So right. my liver thanks you, I think Slim. the same people that use handkerchiefs also use the word cordials. 
in terms in the <laughs> phrasing that you just did. Maybe I'm a Victorian Englishman, maybe a fat Southern Pennsylvania man's body with a quaff of hair that a woman would kill for. Welcome to and the show. Has. You know, this is the Paper Cake Podcast. Um, we talk about we do a roundtable of books that we read this week, new or old, depending on how much time we had to read. We'll just make it up. We'll just pull an issue out of the air that we love as a youth, and uh, we'll do a book club also. And that's Old Man Logan, Mark Millar, darling of zero women, all men, <laughs> some men. I don't know. He's he's become some sort of internet pariah in recent years. Gen Z, is that safe to say? You still love him to death, though. I love. The Ultimates Volume 1. That cannot be denied. <laughs> that is... I think that might be Josie's roundtable. Now that I think about it, he's just going to pull that out <laughs> yeah. of nowhere. He didn't yeah. have time to read. He's going to say, you know what? I went back after reading Old Man Logan. <laughs> I went to the Joan Kives. <laughs> Joni Kives. Uh, so I'm excited to talk about it. I read it like literally two seconds after it was decided that we were going to do it. Like you were excited, I went were right excited. to the couch. I jumped on the couch, put my feet up, and downloaded Old Man Logan. We'll get into it. We're running out of time. Unlike blankets, this is a hardcover on my shelf that I actually read. Uh, so let's get into the uh, round table. What's a book that you read this week? Jonesy loves beer, uh, with or without a kerchief. I want to talk about um, you know based on your interview with Taryn Killiam. From SNL, hmm. I went and read The Illegitimates by uh, IDW. And for the listeners, uh, The Illegitimates, uh, there's this super spy. And um, he is like Sean Connery through the decades. Like he's a man's man. He saved the world umpteen times. Uh, and, you know, he just gets it in, if you know what I'm saying. Um, sexually is what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for clearing that so, up. Um, this <laughs> right? Tell us a children's show. Um, so anyhow, the spy guy uh, finally gets killed. He he doesn't make it. His arch nemesis uh, is able to get the better of him. And it's... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so anyhow, uh, now the world is without their hero that has been behind the scenes saving the world for decades. So in true fashion, the government of the world has a contingency, and that's to round up his five illegitimate children to kind of fill the void. And that's how the first issue starts. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty run of the mill. Uh, as it goes for introductory issues, I'm sure, you know, once they get into the meat of the story, the issue is really going to jump off. But I have to say, the uh, the ultra-violent and bloody art uh, by Kevin Sharp, uh, and I feel terrible, like a terrible human being for saying this, drew me into the issue. It reminds me a lot of, like, Trad Moore and uh, Luther Strode. Like, it's just inappropriately violent. And beautifully drawn and, and amazing attention to detail given. And based on that alone, I, I'm definitely going to pick up issue two. I loved the uh, the scene with Jack Steele. <laughs> like the, the book opens with 
essentially the endings of all James Bond movies where he he has relations with women, and then it, they just make him look to be like such a stud. And then there's just one issue where he's older, he is on the top of a train, and he just spoilers he just croaks hard in a full <laughs> oh, page yeah. way and i thought it, that page was hilariously violent it i i chuckle I, and i feel like i've lost part of my soul for chuckling at this <laughs> but like he turned like just so i can frame it in your mind's eye he's on the top of a train and he kind of gets the old looky-loo trick like look over your shoulder and he falls for it and his oh, head literally evaporates against the side of a tunnel <laughs> Like, he just turns, and it's just like, poof. Like, that's the sound in my head. Poof is his head against the side of this tunnel. And it's super gory and violent, and just a gorgeous splash page. I mean, what else could you ask for in an IDW independent comic book is just absurd and gorgeous violence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty cool. I was surprised that it was kind of shorter, like, they... There's an introduction to the kids, but there's not a whole lot. There's like one page to each character. So I guess the series really picks up an issue, too. Like, it was very intro-ish to the series. Yeah, I, I think it was, like, really an issue zero. Mm. If I had to think, like, if I had to categorize it, you know, an issue zero, free comic book day type thing where I was just going to give you, hey, this is who's in the book. And hopefully, you know, issue two hits the ground running and you can really get into it. But that art, mm. That art, though, as the kids say on Twitter. They do say that. I Santa. think you maybe just sold it to me, Jonesy. Oh, my. Heavens, mm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Let's, um... I'll have something to read when I'm sick on the toilet later. In five minutes. The noise that Jack Steele's head made is very similar to what noise your rear end will make on the porcelain throne. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, family. Um, Astro City. Oh, God. <laughs> On heaven, go. go. In heaven. Kissing you. Um, I went back to the olden days of Astro City. I didn't do the new stuff, as Dale underscore A has gone on at length. Uh, quote, my favorite comic book of all time, I believe, was the exact quote from Dale. Wow, you are. So, yeah, Jonesy, remember the quote. Thank you. I reviewed the tape. And uh, so I went back. This is the the first trade that we did as a book club. I think it was like one through six or whatever. But that series ended and then it restarted. And that's yeah. what I've been reading kind of slowly but surely. The, the issues nice. have been on my iPad for, it feels like, months. And I refuse to delete them because I want to get through them. So this particular, they've all been kind of like one and dones. But this is the first time that an actual storyline is continuing, like a to be continued next month. And it uh, started off originally, and it's been so long since, since the last time I read like the, the issue before this. It's probably been a month. But um, this kid had always dreamed of becoming a superhero. And he eventually gets a job at this kind of Hellfire Club-ish scenario where he's a waiter for all the superheroes. And something happens where he saves the day from a crook. Um and eventually is taken under the wing of the Batman character kind of in this world, the Confessor. He wears this black tarp, and he's kind of like a priest that um, fights crime at night. So his alter ego is the altar boy, hilariously. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so this story, 
the storyline that I that was this was this current one was the altar boy learns the ropes over the course of a few issues and tries to figure out just who the confessor is. He doesn't know his secret identity. He only sees him at night. He sees him without the mask, but he doesn't know who he is during the day, and it kind of um, picks at him a little bit. And while this is going on, there's murders happening in um, over in Shadow. I think I believe it's called Shadow Hill, that town where the hanged man kind of watches over. And there was one yeah. issue that we read, I think, in that first trade where the woman from Sh- from Shadow Hill always dreams of Astro City. It's kind mm-hmm. of like the overlooked town. I guess it's like North Philadelphia or South Philadelphia. I don't know. East Philadelphia. It's all bad. <laughs> so the murders are happening in this town, and it's kind of tearing Astro City apart, where they don't know who is committing these murders, and they're actually starting to doubt the superheroes because some people are starting to think that the superheroes are responsible. So Astro City... There's like an A and a B plot, but they're both kind of A plots because they kind of pick up while one lets down over the course of three or four issues. And the mayor eventually calls for like a superhero registration act on Astro City. And he wants them all to re- like to, to register and will allow you to continue to do what you want, but you have to tell us, you have to give us some information about you. So, um, so while this is going on, the altar boy is is finally putting some detective work together and um, trying to figure out who the confessor is. And he eventually deduces that the confessor is really a vampire. And that's why he doesn't see him during the day. And so, but I, I was kind of uh, hesitant to talk about this book because it didn't, it didn't feel like the super high level of Astro city issues that I'd read in the past. Mm -hmm. So this was like the first kind of, good Astro City run and not hmm. blow my pants off. Yeah, you your last sentence just scared me to death. <laughs> and that's why I can't read on in Astro City because it's such now an archetype and something grand in my mind that I don't want to take away from its beauty. And I do I do want to say that I do want you to still read it because this is my fault for not being able to sit and continue the story. It has been a month. Like these, this arc I had to spread across like literally a month and a half. And, um, so the whole time this is happening and the altar boy is trying to figure out who the confessor is. Like I was waiting for this to be revealed that he's the person killing, um, these people in shadow Hill. So they were like they both plots were like boiling to a point where I was waiting for them to intersect, and it just never happened for some reason. And part four involves kind of an alien invasion coming to the planet. So the superheroes need access to something. I think at like Capitol Hill, like like some kind of tool that they use to um to and to be honest I can't remember but they need access to something that the government oversees but the government won't let them use them because they haven't registered so the alien invasion is happening at the end of issue 4 and the plot's kind of just simmer to a point mm. to come to this alien invasion I was kind of surprised and I, I think it's the first kind of overarching arc that I remember in Astro City like I don't really remember kind of a huge thing that happened in the first trade that we read or even the beginning of this second series. Yeah, no, it's more vignettes than anything. Yeah, they were like two issue one or two issue beautiful, amazing stories. But you know, he, he you know, he Busick 
wants to str- he wants to let the ebb and flow of the story. Now, the story requires four or more issues. Maybe he tells it, but not yeah. after s- setting the stage in Astro City. Dale, whenever I look at you with that great hair and you just wax wise over there, you're like a venerable old grandfather just schooling me in the ways of the world. I love it. If you play your cards right, he's going to give you some cordials. I'm hoping. Whiskeys, wines, and cordials. <laughs> some cream de mint and some, uh, you know, something. I, I do want to make it clear that it's not bad. It's just, you know, it's like Michael, I don't know, it's like Michael. one of Michael Jordan's off seasons where he only averaged like 35 points a game. It's still like great, but it's just right. like kind of your, your, it's a different level. So, but I highly recommend it. And, you know, maybe when I finish this arc, they'll tie up in a, in a manner that mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting, but you know. The most upsetting, depressing, and probably a the news that I purchased an Astro City hardcover for a friend for Christmas before I myself owned an Astro City hardcover. Oh. I mean, if that's not in the spirit of Christmas and giving, and you I'm not just the, keep it and tell the friend you don't want to exchange this year for monetary reasons. It's probably a good I'm idea. giving you an out right now. My God, that's a brilliant idea. Brilliant. I'm just trying to help you, but still time. Dale underscore A. What did you read this week? Was it from the big two? It was from the big two, right? The Dale all, big two. All new X-Men number 20. And that involves... So the all new X-Men, the, the old original X-Men are now over in Scott Summers' camp. The new Xavier Institute housed in the Weapon X facilities in Canada. And uh, they are in Miami, you know, trying to help out fellow mutants that are popping up on Cerebro. And uh, X-23, the woman clone of Wolverine, is curled up sort of in a, you know, half in a dumpster. Come to find out she's been healing. She's been put through the ringer. And she's being chased by William Stryker's son's goons. And this is a it's, it's a great issue with the X-23 kind of factoring in on the team, quite possibly. I think this is coming from... She's coming from... Uh, what was the... Avengers... Not Academy. What was the one where they were just trapped? Avengers Arena. Yeah, Avengers Arena. I think it's you know it it naturally uh, might may occur after that maybe X twenty three gets spit of gets spit out of Arcade's world. I haven't been reading that sadly, but you know it just it's it it doesn't factor into where she was previously. Just know that she's been had a rough time and she's now an all new X Men. I don't know if she's going to be a permanent fixture here or not, but her interaction with the the original X Men and the fact that the original X Men are simply astonished by the fact that cloning Wolverine would be a good idea hmm. after seeing, you know, what a piece of work Wolverine is. And they're saying that now they cloned him and put him in a teenage girl, you know, and uh, Bobby Drake is on point. So a great, a great issue. Bendis, you know, I love the uh, Brandon Peterson. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I, hmm. I, dig, I dig the art. I'm digging it. The colors now, really help. There was two artists in this issue. Did you, did you know that? Yeah, Asrar. I love I, I, that guy's art. 
he can he like almost mimics Eminem in this issue, but he does have his own style that I love. Uh, he used to do super. He did the Eminem. new Fifty Two Supergirl, and he's going to be doing Wolverine the X Men relaunch. Oh, that's good. I knew I knew that name from somewhere, but um, to be honest, I I didn't quite notice the difference between the two artists. It may have um, they it may be there if I went and go and look back, but yes, the art is gorgeous, and if Asrar's hand is one of the reasons, then I will follow this man into the depths. I cannot take Brandon Peterson's art. I just can't do it. I was so upset and I I grew up on his stuff. He did the Executioner song issues of like Uncanny X-Men way back when. So Mm -hmm. this guy's like an X-Men legend. But his stuff now, I just, it's just not the exact opposite of what I'm into right now. It's wow. like it seems like computer generated at times, and the first panel, if you go to that issue when they X two three and the X Men infiltrate their little hideout, mm-hmm. there's a scene that blows my mind where all the X Men are in the same panel, and they're all posed differently, and it looks like he did some kind of funky, almost mannequin study. Like, anyone that has this issue, go to page... Oh, 15? My. Is that page 15? It's, uh, let's the, see. Uh, the big splash page? I'm double spread, so I... It's 13. 13 of 18 on the iPad. It freaked me out. That's all I can say about it. Freaked me out. Oh, yeah, I can, I can see that now. Like, what are they doing? What are they? They're all posed in a manner that they're in, like, a different... Jean Grey's just, like, with her hands, What's she like, batting up? her hands for? I don't even get it. They're, they're in a corner of darkness, and they're all posed in a manner that something has happened to them that no one else can see. She's like... She is like Kim Cattrall in Mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was watching that movie when he drew that page. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'll be glad once Eminem comes back. That's all. And we can build. And they didn't even kiss. They didn't even kiss in that book, too. I guess that's what happens when you need to get covers done months ahead of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I did like the uh, how Scott hugged her, and she was very confused by it. I, mm-hmm. I like I like how you know there's so much more story to mine from the original X Men being here. It's just I, I I really I really love it, and Bendis can draw the conversations and and soap opera drama very well. And when it's not Luke Cage and Jessica Drew or Jessica Jones, you know, every issue, then My give me some God. more of it. Because I've had eight Garbage. years of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, two sentences or less. Makes me want to drink cordials all night long. <laughs> <laughs> that was the exact laugh that uh, the Joker made at the end of Batman 1989 with his, jo- with his laugh box. That was exactly it. Uh, two sentences or less. Jonesy loves beer. <laughs> Another book that you read, please. <laughs> Thor, the God of Thunder, issue number 16. Imagine that you're playing D&D and that you have a party and that you, sir, get to play Thor as a PC. And imagine all the goodness that goes with it. And that is the current run of Thor GOT. Uh, slim, don't draw. Lightning tight pants. <laughs> <laughs> Beware the Batman number one. 
from DC Comics. I don't understand any of what is happening on this comic book page. But I don't mind it one bit. <laughs> the Superior Spider-Man number 23. Not, oh, not 24. Yeah. Spoilers. Probably my least favorite issue in the Superior run so far. Dan Slott retweeted a frustrated user who called Peter Parker's girlfriend a midget <laughs> today. <laughs> Spoilers, it was Dale. <laughs> Save it for the fireside. I want to talk about that. I did not know that. <laughs> Hashtag passive aggressive retweets. Old Man Logan from Marvel Comics. Mark Millar. And Steve McNiven drawing at a level that can only be described as Jesus Christ-like. <laughs> What's this book about, Jonesy, please? <laughs> Holy Moses, mother... All right, here we go. Old Man Logan is Mark Millar's Wolverine story that he wants to tell. Much like Superman Red Sun was his Superman story that he wanted to tell. So in the uh, in the future, Logan, not Wolverine, has retired as a farmer in California. He has a wife, a redhead, shocker, two children. And uh, he's eking out a poor but to his level happy existence. California is run by... The inbred children of the Incredible Hulk and Jenny She-Hulk. And uh, they come to him one day and say that he's behind on rent. And if he doesn't pay double the next month, you know, he's going to get at him. What is going on over there? You are derailing this wonderful don't, synopsis. Don't pay any attention to me. You pay attention <laughs> to yourself in the synopsis. <laughs> Here comes a massive troll. I know it. Okay, so... <laughs> Troll paranoia captain <laughs> Jonesy loves beer Fortuitously Hawkeye arrives And has a proposal That Logan escort him Across the country to New Babylon Which is the parallel Of New York in this uh, apocalyptic Future And uh, he agrees because he needs the cash He needs to make sure his family's safe So Hawkeye leads him Through this new United States uh, that has been sectioned off by famous supervillains of the past. And we learned why Logan no longer goes by the name Wolverine and the atrocities he's committed to put him in a life of shame. Old Man Logan. What a book. What a book. Dale, I just, I want to, you know, I, I want to zero in on you and your emotions right now. And where you sit, what did you think of Old Man Logan? Had you ever read it before? I did. I had borrowed the hardcover from Jonesy Loves Beer some months ago. And I still had it in my bookshelf, believe it or not. So, thank you, Jonesy <laughs> Loves Beer. 
It will never be returned, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I, um, it's, I mean, what do you want me to say? It was, it was a beautiful, beautiful book. Like I say, for all the book clubs that I love, I call them beautiful, and I loved it. The, such an interesting story, almost like an Elseworldsy kind of take on the book, and... I don't know. It was a fun, it was a fun, fun story. It was a lot of uh, nods to, uh, you know, what happened to, you know, past heroes and villains, and where are they now? Meaning, where are they now in his old man Logan time? And the the story is just a you know is 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 a great entertaining story. Um, McNiven's art is top notch in this. And the the payoff in the end, you know, other than the fact, all right, let's get into the drinking game. Every time they refer to him popping his claws, I wanted to take a shot. There's no other word for pop, popping claws in this. But, yes, I, I love it's. <laughs> this is a great, great story. I love the premise of it. I would like to know what the heck happened to Bruce Banner to make him uh, go turncoat and uh, and breed with the lawyer. What did they did they take her by force? I mean, is she okay with this? She was a lawyer, and she was a decent person, you know. And uh, you know the fact that Logan's flipping family, worst thing ever. You mean you didn't like them as people, or what happened to them? What happened to them was oh, the worst yeah. thing ever. It was yeah. the worst thing ever. I mean, it wasn't good. And I, I know we started getting into this last week, but Wolverine laying his head down on train tracks and letting a locomotive run his head over because of what he did, I mean, that's wicked stuff. That is wicked Two things about Old Man Logan that spring to my mind. Wicked. What is Mark Millar doing with himself? All you know, all he does is write two issue independent stories that he wants to option his films when he could be settling down, reining himself in, and telling stories like this. I just don't get it. Well, he's always he's always said that like all of his big arcs are just movie ideas in his mind. Like if I got, he's always said like Ultimate X Men and Ultimates. If I were to tell my Ultimate X Men movie, it would be this. If I were to tell my Ultimate Avengers movie, it would be this. And that's what Ultimates One was, and the sequel was Ultimates Two, and this was his Wolverine movie. And I think Enemy of the State was his other one. And he just, just he don't. gets on and then he gets off, and I, he's, I think he's always been that. I think he's been very smart about that too. I mean, there's a lot to be appreciated uh, for that because he doesn't want to seem stale. But it also seems that, on the other hand, what you get in this creator and stuff is like this unfinished business. At least it is in my mind, because he only wants to take it so far, and then you're you know you want more. And then I don't know if it always ends on such a great, you know, bow tie ending. I think when he comes back, it works against him. Like when he came back to the Ultimate Universe and did 
the ultimates three or four or five and then like ultimate ultimates like when they they told yeah. the story the red skull was his son like that was cool but then he did like two or three other ones after that were that weren't good and he when he was on fantastic ultimate fantastic four he stayed on there for a while he came back he he told the story like he i think he pretty much created the zombie universe in an arc there but you know maybe he stayed too long on that and same thing with ultimate x-men he stayed too long on that and the storylines kind of just got funky i agree another thing i want to uh some you'll appreciate is the climax of the book uh at the revenge scene when he finally loses it he's you know logan's not my name anymore i just imagine the music from uh man on fire the Denza and uh, if you guys were wondering if Logan will look bad a in a duster and an old wide brim fedora with his claws out, uh, wonder no more because he looks totally bad a in it. That splash page with that magnificent art where he's kind of like standing in front of the desert and he's just got his one hand out with the claws. Oh, oh yeah. also how how crazy! I love that scene where he's waiting for the Hulk uh, family. And his claws are out. And his claws are like six feet long. Like yeah, obnoxiously yeah. long. And I didn't even give a crap. I was like, that looks so awesome. And I didn't care. So many beautiful <laughs> splash pages in this entire arc. Yeah, McDivin did a lot of two-page spreads in this. Which I, like uh, just now, since it had been so long, like a week since I read it, I just kind of zipped through and there were a lot of double-page spreads. But I remember when this when this book first came out, and I've told this story a bunch of times, but... When I was reading this monthly in Philadelphia, hmm. and I could not wait to hear what the reasoning was that Wolverine like gave up and stopped superheroing, and I was waiting like, oh, I hope they tell this this month. I hope they tell the next month, and so I finally go to the comic shop to get that issue where they where they tell that story, and the guy behind the counter blurts out to a customer, you know, so Mysterio brainwashed him and then he kills all his friends. And this is like, as I'm walking into the comic shop and <laughs> oh, no, that I forgot was this is why you hate the LCS. That was one. Yeah. This is one of the reasons. And I, I'm almost positive. That was the last time I went to that comic shop. Like I was so pissed off. I w- would have strangled everyone in that comic shop to death, whether they worked there or not. Like it was like the, one of the lowest out back moments. To the train tracks and then put your head <laughs> on the rails. I went Especially if the you're reading it monthly. I mean, it it left such a sour taste in my mouth for comic shops in general that this guy would be so idiotic to blurt that out. Like I never wanted to go to that store ever again. But um, but that re- the reveal that he essentially murdered everyone he loved due to Mysterio kind of messing with his head. I thought that was so genius. Like Mark, yeah. people crap on Mark Miller all the time, but he has a knack for coming up with one morsel of an idea and turning that into something great. And this is one of those instances where, like, man, what a dark story for Wolverine to have to go through. And this this book, like, just amazing. I love this book, and there are definitely some flaws with it, but on the whole, I love it. Like, I loved. Obviously, it's a it's a it's an emotional redemption story with Wolverine. What's not for what what for me is not to love with that. So, I think this was written with you in mind. <laughs> he he might have, honest. but the I mean monthly like reading it in one one clip, 
um, was interesting. It was kind of, I think this first time I read it maybe in a little while, but um, kind of reading fast, you know, hearing Wolverine often say, he's like, I don't do that anymore. You know, that's not me kind of reading it in one sitting. It kind of wears on you, but mm-hmm. that stuff doesn't, yeah. ca- that doesn't care. You don't care when it's a monthly book, when there's 30 days in between hearing Wolverine say that you right. don't give a crap, but reading it in collected form, it kind of wears on you a little bit. And Hawkeye felt a little, I don't know, tropey or mm-hmm. like he was, he was an archetype of like a hippie or something. He kept saying man, like, I don't know if it was a, you know, a big Lebowski thing or, or just something. He just felt like too much of a character. Right. And but, I mean, you could probably tell Mark, Mark Miller might even tell you, like, I've never read a Hawkeye comic book in my life when like he yeah. wrote this and he would probably yeah. wouldn't even care. And I remember when he took over ultimate X-Men, he had never read X-Men before. So he probably wouldn't, he, it's probably the case. He might not even read it, but it was very different than the Hawkeye, obviously that we know now the fraction Hawkeye, but mm-hmm. I never would have thought it was kind of an out of character Hawkeye when I first read it. Like I probably never even cared about Hawkeye before I read this, but yeah, he was very hippie ish. And yeah, uh, I wonder if they even decided it would be Hawkeye when he wrote it. I think you could have interjected any kind of aged mm-hmm. Avenger yeah. at that point. Mm-hmm. Aged yeah, I blind agree. Avenger. <laughs> I, I, the, I actually uh, forgot the scene or the issue with uh, Hawkeye's daughter about like how she wanted to kind of be the new kingpin of that area, like that whole thing. I just totally forgot about for some reason. It was interesting to kind of see the mini B, B and C and D plots, you know, of the, the Moloids and the Venom dinosaur and all that stuff that were the cliffhangers of the monthly issues. Um, yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. And I like the little stories they had, you know, the little, like the little bit of backstory that Hawkeye would fill in. Cause Logan was, has been living on a farm for 50 years, but you know, it, it helps inform the reader too that they started importing the dinosaurs from the Savage Land as pets, but then they couldn't take care. You know, nobody could take care of them, so they like just started taking over. You know, they released them all, and they started, you know, habitating the world mm-hmm. at large. And uh, Pym Falls was that was cool, great because you're expecting a waterfall, and it's no, it's just where Hank Pym fell, and that's where his body is like rotting because it's a, so big. It's just there; yeah. it's not going anywhere. How cool was the um? the place where it reminded of independence day where all the people accumulated because they thought the aliens were going to show up, but it was where the superheroes quote unquote fell. Yeah. And they're all kind of worshiping Thor's hammer. Mm-hmm. Kind of hoping somebody's going to come back and pick it up one day. That was awesome. And I do love that. There's a lot of allusions to, you know, maybe Reed Richards is out there and he's going to come back and save the world. Or, you know, maybe this is one of those, you know, one of those, I don't want to say arc because that's not the word, but the character is like, well, we've seen this before and somebody comes back and saves the day. But there is, like, the way Miller writes it, there is no hope in these characters. Mm-hmm. Like, they have lived longer in this terrible world than they did in the previous world of hope. Mm-hmm. So for them, there is no going back. This is the status quo. And that's really different. I think that's a really different way to take it. And as fresh as you can get with this kind of story, because this is, you know, post-apocalyptic stories and comics is, you know, almost a cyclical thing. But this is kind of a fresh step to say, 
they've been here longer and they understand this world better than they did the world they were heroes in. Which, not for nothing, that's a great way to look at it and yeah. a great way to relate to it as best you can. Yeah, because when you think about, and you know, getting into continuity timelines and stuff like that is re- can get really messy. You should just enjoy the stories and not worry about time. But if you figure, like, the superheroic age from, like, the founding of the Fantastic Four is, like, maybe 10 to 15 years at this point in Marvel time. That like that's you had fifteen years kind of of superheroism, and then fifty years of the fall and the the fallout of that, and that's so that's way more way much more than what you know than what the life the lives they lived previous to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought, and I said uh, I I think I called it Jesus Christ like, but McDivin's art in this book. I and I, I think I alluded to it a few weeks ago. Like I said, he would never top this, but I don't think he he's, he's come to this kind of level of detail. I I'm almost positive that this book was late constantly, and I think it might have even had to do with why the final issue went into a giant size one shot. I, I want to say that that issue came out like three months after the issue before it, mm-hmm. um, because it's kind of odd that it's not in the regular series like the other ones were, but. And I think actually even some of the art in that final issue looks a little different. But his art just blew me away. I was screenshotting panels left and right when I was reading this. All of the kind of flashbacks to Wolverine thinking back about what happened or what caused him to just be a farmer with like Wolverine with his half mask kind of cut off and just like a hundred strands of hair kind of coming out of his mask. That stuff must have taken him forever. All of those yeah. panels are so crazy detailed. The 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 waterless kind of desert that they drive through. There's so many panels that in my head took him like three days to do. Like some pages must have taken days. And I I I've, to this day I've never seen him do that kind of level of detail. I will say even everybody's hair looks great. Like even in the early issues where it's a lot of Logan with his hat off. Like, real close up. The detail, like, the wrinkles on his face and the crow's feet and, like, his out-of-place strands of hair, it's all consistent. So you all know the utmost care was taken for it to look theatrical. And that's what it is. It looks theatrical. Mm -hmm. So if you want to say, you know, Mark Millar's greatest effort is to tell cinematic stories, then McNiven's greatest compliment is to tell thematic and cinematic art. Yeah. What do you think the business was with Doom, just the one panel, just so they could show Doom watching Hawkeye and Wolverine drive away? Yeah, I forgot about that. He kind of just never showed up again, did he? No. I don't think it was him, per se, though, because it was kind of like a different costume, like a stone costume. You know what I mean? It wasn't his typical green cloak yeah, it was modified armor. I don't know if it was really the Doom. Huh. Was it? Was it wasn't um, Black Bolt? Was it? Maybe it wasn't really Doom, but it was Black Bolt because didn't Black Bolt show up? Like maybe the issue after that. But he does show up as like uh, as party to Emma Frost, mm. and it does seem that Emma married Doom. Yeah, that's that so, was the impression that I got. Uh, maybe, and, and Doom was just such a like. 
and the, it's quick to remind you, let's not forget why I did what I did. And, and it was, impl- I think it was implied that she was married to Doom, but it was like Doom knew all along that Hawkeye and Logan were there, but he just let them pass or something like that. It was, it was really weird. Like maybe he was like, I don't know what the subtext was, but maybe he, you know, letting them go, he kind of predicted, like, you know, let them cause trouble over there for, mm. you know, my future mm. endeavors or something like that. There was a point where I read, like, I mean, the part where he pops his claws, Dale Drink, uh, at that last issue, like, that was just awesome. Obviously, my pants tore off instantly. But the the revenge stuff against banner i think was the weakest part of the entire series where i mean it's it's where he gets his bloody revenge and he's like biting necks and just really just murdering the hulk gang but it was i don't know it was violent to the point where i kind of wondered if maybe i wondered about a version where the end was where he he's his claws showed for the first time where maybe the series should have ended there Mm. And it kind of made me look back on Wolverine kind of giving up the life for 50 years. Like, man, it wasn't even really worth it because you sat back. I was actually kind of angry. Like, Wolverine kind of sat back for 50 years where he could have done something and prevented it where it was all for nothing anyway because you just you, you come back at the the loss of your entire family, your second family at this point, and just now you're you're, like, making amends where it kind of, for the first time, put a sour note on me reading the story where I wish that it didn't get to that point. I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it, but it was just a, it was a strange way to view the ending this time around. Yeah, because Logan, I mean, theoretically, Logan could have taken down the Hawk gang when they came to collect rent and they were beating his face in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the previous, so like the five-issue run of him going to new Babylon and stuff is kind of like all for naught at that point. But, uh, and it kind of makes you upset as a father. Yeah. To know that it's not worth protecting my kids to, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I don't know. Then again, I'm not a hundred year plus year old mutant who's done everything and been everything. Can't really relate, but still as a father, if there was, some Hulk gang protecting me and I had adamantium claws, you know, it would be on and popping mm-hmm. claws. Literally. Were, drink. Just imagine what your kerchief would smell like 150 years later. Oh, my God. Hulk Future blood God. is what it would, it would smell be, like. It would be glass by that point. It would be so hardened. The, the I mean, it, but it did serve a purpose. Like, I, in my head, I envisioned Miller. Millar had, like, five scenes that he needed to build a story around. And one of those scenes was yeah. the lone wolf and cub scenario where he wears his duster and the and the baby's on his back and he rides yeah, off definitely. in the sunset and that was one of the scenes that he needed to build a story around which was to take out the hulk gang and why did banner have hulk strength as a old man yeah it didn't make sense did it no it didn't make any sense and there wasn't even an yeah. offhand line about like and then 20 years ago that's when i discovered i could use the hulk strength in my feeble body and that, like there wasn't even any of that yeah, I just took it as like like further gamma poisoning or something like that. And yeah. It all affected him. I, I, I liked and I didn't like the final confrontation because it was it was I guess it was kind of cool that 
after all this time, after all that time, you know, like Wolverine's first appearance was in Hawk. So it all started there. Yeah. So, you know, the fight was finished, but it was just, I don't know, it was just kind of corny that Wolverine gets eaten. I mean, Hulk, like... And even then, Hulk just, is, like, semi-intelligent. Even though he's turned into some kind of psychotic hick, he's got to realize that he can't digest adamantium. Yes. And then he'll it, just heal yeah. in his stomach. Right. That just felt, like, really out of place and corny. Just let him finish the fight like a, like two men would, like two hulking, hulking beasts. But, yeah, you know, you idiot Hulk, you're going to eat... <laughs> You're going to eat Wolverine and expect good things? I mean... And I, th- I did think that was, like, the worst page in the whole series was him cutting out of his stomach. I thought that was, like, McNiven's worst page out of the whole thing, which kind of, like, uh, ended on a sour note. But he, the, the last few pages were pretty great. Yeah. Agreed. Any closing uh, thoughts? Jonesy loves beer. I don't know. I, I, I do love this story so much. And McNiven's art just really has so much to do with it. Uh, I do, now that you guys are talking about it, I do agree with that. The last issue, the giant size issue, he really could have gone and done a lot better in the climax of this book other than just Bruce Banner's a hick for no reason. And we're going to explain it because radiation has affected his brain. But it's affected his brain to turn this scholarly guy that works with gamma radiation and science down to a trailer park trash hick. It just, I guess that doesn't track on three or four re-reads later. Mm-hmm. But the Mysterio stuff is just so great. Such a wow, I never saw that coming moment. Um, every and scene it, with Wolverine and a duster is magical. And I think the Mysterio stuff, like, definitely, he was able to convey psychological damage in like two splash pages with the Mysterio stuff. Oh yeah. I mean it was so earth shattering, like you yeah. know why Wolverine's disturbed. Yeah, exactly. I think that was a great way to convey the message and quick too. You know, he was able to put more stuff into the issue because of that. Yeah, sometimes you don't realize just how dangerous Wolverine is as a character until you see situations like that. I mean, no wonder people have tried to cage him his entire life or use him as a weapon. He is really just a one-man killing machine. <laughs> yeah, he is. He really you know, is. And you forget about that because, you know, the wandering samurai and, you know, the heartbroken ronin just looking for a redhead or a Japanese girl to, to lay his head in their bed for a while. But he is really just a killing machine. Point in direction and you, and, your army will die. And Mil- I think Miller, Millar does well in all the stories that he's done Wolverine in like the agent of shield was like hardcore that and when he's like brainwashed by the hand that kind of set the stage for him as a character for like a few years after that like he turned into a killing machine and he hurt his friends and even in the ultimate universe when he first started writing it he was billed as the world's greatest assassin or the world's greatest killing machine and he was feared by like everyone that knew about him and that was really cool. And I think current times, you kind of lose that, and he's getting kind of older, and now he's just like an elder statesman in a lot of comics as not like this young, sexy killing machine that everyone is scared of, but everyone wants to that you, make that love you to. So badly. Yeah, I love that guy. Old Man Logan. We got your letters 
I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. You shoot us a letter, we'll read it on the air. Okay, our letter this week comes to us, friends, from good old Dragon Fro on the Twitter. Uh, he writes, hey, keggers, not much to say this week. Got around to seeing Thor the Dark World, really enjoyed it. Not as good as the first, but still really good. Watched the trailer for The Division, high five, after you guys talked about it. Wow, that game looks sweet. Mm. Not sure why I never mentioned this before, but if you're ever on the old Xbox Live, look me up at Cap Ash and Knight. C-A-P-A-S-H-E-N-K-N-I-G-H-T. Okay, I guess I did have a little bit to say. Later, peeps. Dragonfro. P.S. John Ham for life. Hashtag. There's one negative about Xbox Live is that I'll, I could friend somebody and then a month later I'll have no idea who this person is because of their names. <laughs> yeah, yeah you'll you'll find me on Xbox Live at the uh, capricious Jonesy Lowe's beer. <laughs> there you go. We won't remember who that is, though. No, no. no one's going to remember who that is. Why bother? Some guy. I have a kerchief, though, as part of my, uh, part of my Xbox Live costume. It's like Your the avatar. Assassin's Creed robe. <laughs> As the Assassin's Creed robe and a kerchief. <laughs> oh, God. What a show. Great show. I love it. I love it when we just talk about a beloved book that mm-hmm. we all just now love. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't even that bad that Dale was in a bad mood the whole time. We got through I it. I love when Dale's in a bad mood because he's kind of saucy. And then he does that thing where like we say something to him about his book and he just goes, Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> Okay, I love it. It was that part where he talked about idiot Hulk trying to eat Wolverine. <laughs> really set me off. God damn, your hair just looks amazing tonight. Have you seen it? Thanks, have man. you seen your hair? We have. Uh, we might have a book club picked out, but when I talked about it in the pre-show, I got some pushback. Dale so flipped over a table. We'll talk about it next week. But totally uh, we're doing it. We're thanks doing for it. listening, everybody. See you later. talk about this midget retweet yeah can we what's the story behind that there dale the professor of midget uh, as referenced in the paper keg wiki dale underscore a yeah so somebody was uh somebody tweeted because i did a little backtracking somebody tweeted their frustration frustration with superior spider-man you know going on about uh dan Slan lot wasn't even mentioned in the tweet. It was just, you know, Superior uh, Spider Man. I read it every month, but 
you know, old Peter Parker's really getting the shaft now, and now he's falling in love with some midget or something like that. It's a, and uh, cool, Dan cool. Slott, like, quote, quote, retweeted, and he's like, oh, okay, I get it now. Like, like it's finally I see the light. Like, I shouldn't let him fall in love with midgets. And then, uh, Jeez. And, then and the person wrote back, he's like, oh, dude, why do you, like, no need to, like, public retweet me. No need to, to put me on blast. Yeah, wow, yeah, for, 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 the, for your followers. Twitter public. Oh, man. Because he's like, I still buy the book every month, Dan. Jeez. <laughs> In what other medium could a creator call out a fan and the fan just like, hey, listen, I, I bought the ticket. Just don't yeah, yell at me. Yeah, leave me alone. Let me, That's like let me Brad complain. Pitt. Like Brad Pitt finding somebody on the street who wrote you know, graffiti on a bathroom stall about a movie he made mm-hmm. and then him telling the whole world about it and his next film. That's crazy. I don't know how I feel about that. If he wasn't directly at replying anyone involved with the book... I think you should leave that person alone. Let yeah, them, let them complain on Twitter. Yeah, and then he and um, like uh, Agent M, <laughs> Agent M hopped on. He's like, "Oh, I think you know some people would find the M word <laughs> like offensive or yeah, no. or like that." Which I, you know, I yeah, I understand. That's it's probably it's an offensive word, but yeah. But I he was just—I mean—he's got no followers. This guy, and he's just tweeting to nothing. He was tweeting out to nothingness, but. Just venting Ed- his frustrations to the ether. Oh, the guy's uh, Avenger Time is the guy's username. I still hate the fact yeah. that Superior Spider-Man is dating a midget, and then Dan Slott retweeted it. Poor guy. Oof. <laughs> God. I just want to know, when does Dan Slott find the time to write comics if he's constantly trolling the web for mentions of his work? I mean, does he not eat? I mean, does he have no... Is he not married? Does he not sleep? Where does the hours in the day come from for him to react to social media like that? Hmm. Dan Slott also blocked him. Now I'm stuck in this in this rabbit hole of Twitter, and now I'm looking down this guy's account. Did you see what he said? He's like, whoa, Dan, no need to put me on blast for your, pub- for your public like that. Mm. Poor, poor, poor people involved. Poor everyone involved yeah. with this. Yeah. I it's apologize. A shame. I personally this like... This is the day that Twitter has failed. <laughs> I like the character uh, Mark. I think her last name is Marconi or something. Yeah, yeah. I think she's a great I, addition to the Spider-Man universe. Yeah, she's really cool. She's got a great personality too. Like, she's just got a good character model. And uh, mm-hmm. but the, but the the last few issues, like I I I guess I'm just I haven't read it enough, or I just don't quite understand what the drive is. Why Otto slash Spider-Man needs to get venom or needs to destroy venom like i don't understand what his driving force is and then he's putting you know his his former friend flash in jeopardy because of it and you know, he's being a jerk to aunt may and stuff like that mm. you know i have a negative opinion about venom in this month's spider-man but i don't want dan slot to block me from the universe so i'll just keep that to myself you better uh sorry i'm still in the rabbit hole Dan, it's kind of <laughs> rude to use your mass following to get people to attack me for having a personal opinion. I still buy Superior. Dan. <laughs> Poor guy. And Dan's reply was, get him. He might not have even replied. He probably just let his legion of mm-hmm. friends, internet friends, what are the, the What are that guy's app mentions like? That's what I want to know. Uh, he's replying to a lot of people, a lot of people that don't follow him. So, yeah, a lot of people reply to him. I'm almost afraid to look at his app replies, to be honest. Got, guy got Morgan to bargain for 
when he got done reading that Superior Spider-Man issue. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Were, that reminds me of a time when uh, I think Dave, uh, just Dave, f- former guest host of the show, tweeted about Dan Slott. I can't remember uh, what yeah, it he was. He said something like, less Spider-Man in my Fantastic Four, please. Or less Fantastic Four, less and then I, please. I saw that tweet, and then I texted him. I said, I'll, uh, I bet you a beer the writer at replies to you. And then the only thing I saw was he texted me. He's like, I owe you a beer. <laughs> I can't remember if Twitter was open. I could check to see what the tweet was, but just lessons in Dan Slot tweeting, really. Crazy. Craziness. What a show. Yeah, it was a good one. We'll talk about the book club maybe one day uh, for the next episode. I don't know what it's going to be. It's up in the air. This is out. This is going to be the last episode before Christmas. So, hope everybody has a great holiday. Is it Christmas or otherwise? Oh yeah, it's the we yeah, have one more before the recording till yeah after the big holiday. Holiday. You know we should do one of the book clubs. I don't know if it's going to be the next one, right? But oh. uh, Hellboy. Maybe we come back to the. Minilloverse. Wow. wow. <laughs> my God, I just loosed my brown water all over. <laughs> I'm like fading. My stomach is... Gr- I don't, my stomach may have made a, an appearance on today, tonight's show. I don't know. You, at one point of the show, uh, maybe it was the fire stuff, but you were like standing up, angling down to the yeah. computer monitor. It looked like you yeah. were trying to maintain composure down there. Like, you, like down there, I'm just, I'm thinking about like it's I don't know which way it might come, but it might come either way, either end. Uh-huh. I'm not quite sure. Jeez, I just got jumped in this Twitter hole too. I can't stop reading the app replies. Poor think, guy. Uh, I think my wife and son just walked in. Hold on, let's see. Uh oh, hear something? Yeah, Dale, you are like you are like peaked out of that chair. Like at any second, you could bolt. <laughs> Into that bathroom. Are you just it, it? Your emotional, like makeup right now is it just like fear, also tinged with God. I hope we wrap this up any second. We can end, so we can end right now and sign off so that Dale can take care of things, take care of business. Look, I am here for listen, the show first and foremost. I told listen, my we're wife over an this hour. before I came down. Dale, we're over an hour. We can end it any time. Oh yeah, let's end it. Yeah. <laughs>